It's time for the Daily Stand-Up Podcast presented by Agile Dad with your host, Lee Henson. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Friday. It's time for us to do another one of the Agile Not-So-Agile episodes of the Daily Stand-Up. And I thought with this one being really close to the Christian holiday Easter, that I would share a parable with you, a story that I heard. And it celebrates a concept that is found or rooted in Christianity, but it's a concept that's also present in many other religions with regard to seeking forgiveness and righting wrongs and all those good things, yes? So I thought I'd read this story to you now. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I typically have a hard time staying put together when I read this story, so I thought it'd be good to share it with you because it comes from a place in my heart that's really special. So here we go. So uh, the name of the story is called The Room. It says, in a place between wakefulness and dreams, I found myself in the room. There were no distinguishing features save for the one wall covered with small index card files. They were like the ones in libraries that list titles by author or subject in alphabetical order. But these files, which stretch from floor to ceiling seemed and seemed endlessly in either direction, had very different headings. As I drew near the wall of files, the first to catch my attention was one that read, Girls I Have Liked. I opened and began flipping through the cards. I quickly shut it, shocked to realize that I recognized the names that were written on each one. And then, without being told, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless room, with its small files, was a crude catalog system for my life. Here were written the actions of my every moment, big and small. In a detail my memory could match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror stirred within me as I began to randomly open files and explore their contents. Some brought me great joy and sweet memories, others a sense of shame and regret so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was watching. A file named Friends was right next to one that was marked Friends That I Betrayed. The titles range from the mundane to the outright weird. Books I have read, lies I have told, comfort that I have given others, jokes I have laughed at. Some were almost hilarious in their exactness. Things that I've yelled at my brothers. Others I just could not laugh at. Things that I've done as a result of my anger. Things that I've muttered under my breath at my parents. I never ceased to be surprised by the contents. Often there were many more cards than I expected, sometimes way fewer than I hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of life that I had lived. Could it be possible that I had time in my 16 years to write each of these thousands or even millions of cards? But each card confirmed this truth. Each was written in my own handwriting. Each signed with my signature. When I pulled out a file marked songs I've listened to, I realized the files grew to contain their contents and the cards were packed in super tightly. And yet after two or three yards, I hadn't found the end of the file, so I shut it. Shame, not so much for the quality of the music that I knew, but more for the vast amount of time that I knew that I invested in those files represented. So when I came to the file marked Lustful Thoughts, I felt a chill run through my body. I pulled the file out only an inch, not willing to see the size, and drew out a card. I shuddered at the detailed content. I felt sick to think that such a moment had been recorded. An almost animal rage broke out in me. One thought came to mind and dominated my mind. No one must ever find or see these cards. 
No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy these. In an insane frenzy, I yanked out the file. Its size didn't matter. I had to empty and burn these cards. But as I turned, as I took it at one end and began pounding it on the floor, I could not dislodge a single card. I became desperate and pulled out a single card only to find it was as strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its spot. Leaning my forehead against the wall, I let out a long, self-pitying sigh. And then I saw it. There was a, a file that bore the name, People I Have Shared the Gospel With. The handle was much brighter than all those around it. Newer, almost unused, shined really well. No more than three uh, inches, the file no longer, no more than three inches long fell into my hands. I could count the cards that it contained on a single hand. And then the tears started to come. I began to weep, sob so deeply that the hurt st started in my stomach and shook through me. I fell to my knees and cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming shame of it all. The rows of file shelves swirled in my tear-filled eyes. No one must ever know this room. I must lock it up and hide the key. But then, as I pushed away my tears, I saw him. And I said to myself, no, please, not him, not here. Oh, anyone but Jesus. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and read each card. I couldn't bear to watch his response. And in a moment, I could bring myself to look at his face. I saw a sorrow deeper than my own. He seemed to intuitively go to the worst boxes only. Why did he have to read every one? Finally, he turned and looked at me from across the room. He looked at me with pity in his eyes. But this was a pity that didn't anger me. I dropped my head, covered my face with my hands, and just began to cry. He walked over and put his arm around me. He could have said so many things, but he didn't say a word. He just cried with me. Then he got up and walked back to the wall of files, starting at one end of the room, and he took out a file, and one by one, he began to sign his name over mine on each card. No, I shouted, rushing to him. All I could do was, all I could find to do was say, no, no. As I pulled the card from him, his name shouldn't be in these cards. But there it was, written in red, so rich, so dark, so alive. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written with his blood. He gently took the card back, smiled a sad smile, and began to sign the next card. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly, but in the next instant, it seemed, I heard him close the last file, walk back to my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder, looked me in the eye, and said, It is finished. I stood up, and he let me out of the room. There was no lock on this door, because there were still cards that need to be written. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you're Christian or not, the message of this story is that we need to live our lives better, and we need to do better things. And we can't hold, you know, we can certainly challenge ourselves to be better than what we are, but we shouldn't be holding ourselves individually responsible for, for every single decision we make. We have to find a way to make things right. But we also need to find a way to accelerate what we're doing in such a way that we can uplift others. And I think that this message, this story, helps you understand that even when you're in your darkest time, there's someone that cares about you. Even when you are you know, feeling like nothing else could possibly go, you know, nothing could possibly go right. Everything's gone so wrong. It's important for us to realize that just because we had a bad outing or a bad inning doesn't mean we're going to lose the whole game, right? 
So at this time of celebrating this uh, Christian holiday, I challenge each of you to find a way to better yourself, find a way to write the ship, find a way to do something special for someone else. And if you do, I can guarantee you have both personal and professional blessings for doing it. So that's going to do it for today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, We'll catch you on Monday. Until then, stay healthy, stay well, and stay agile, my friends. Until next time, do take care.